This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hey everyone, it's Meredith Carey from Women Who Travel. While Lala and I will be back next week with a brand new episode, we wanted to throw it back to the very first one that we ever recorded. It was all about solo travel, and we were joined by Erin Florio, Jessica Nabongo, and Cynthia Drescher, all of whom are now Women Who Travel regulars. Solo travel is something that comes up all the time on the podcast, and we wanted to look back at the good and the bad of traveling on your own. Once you're done listening to the episode, we'd love to hear from you about the best time that you had traveling by yourself. Feel free to tweet at us. I'm at OhHeyThereMare, Lala's at at LalaEricoglu, and let us know. Enjoy! Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a new podcast from Codé Nast Traveler that digs deep into the realities of traveling as a woman today and celebrates why we'll never stay home. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me today is my co-host, Meredith Carey. Hello, hello. For our first ever episode, we're joined by senior editor Erin Florio, Jessica Nabongo, founder of boutique travel firm Jet Black and the blog Catch Me If You Can, and Cynthia Drescher, a regular traveler contributor and is currently sitting in the Maldives. I know, it's like super late at night for you, right, Cynthia? Yeah, (laughs) it's almost midnight. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we are starting this first episode kind of just giving you guys uh, a little rundown of what we're doing. Um, We have a regular weekly podcast here at Kanye's Traveler called Travelogue, and uh, we decided, uh, Lale and I, that uh, we needed something that kind of spoke to us and what we have been working on. Lale's been leading our Women Who Travel package that goes up every March. Um, for the last year now, and and we decided that we wanted to kind of cover the highs and lows and everything in between um, f- of travel from a women's perspective, and so we're starting out. Yeah, and out of our Women Who Travel package in March was born our Women Who Travel Facebook group, which I think has been a resounding success. It is now 30K strong in members, and you know, it's just filled with all these wonderful voices talking about how much they love travel, asking questions about travel, sharing stories, and it's grown into a real community. And so as much as this podcast is for us, I think it's also for that group as well. So this first episode, we have brought all these lovely ladies in today because they are all masters at one thing, uh, which is solo travel. And I feel like I just got into this. But the one thing that we kind of wanted to start with, which is not exactly the most positive note, But um, recently, TripAdvisor announced um, after it became public that some reviews had been deleted that had not family-friendly language about a possible assault that had happened at a hotel. They're now flagging um, hotels where, you know, assault and safety issues have been brought up. Um, And we wrote about it earlier this month, but I just kind of wanted to hear your 
opinion, when you look at a hotel, would you like to know what may have happened there? Is that something you would take as like the word of God? What would you kind of take that as? From a very basic standpoint, yes. But that being said, I do have this sort of asterisk attached to it, which is that I think it potentially causes a lot more damage and instills a lot more fear if you have this platform such as TripAdvisor or something digital, which is completely user controlled to an well to an extent user controlled. Um, that doesn't sufficiently address how the hotel may have already handled the issue. Um, it might blow up an issue that doesn't need to be blown up. I, I think in theory, it's a smart and a good thing. It can be a real tool and a real asset, especially to uh, travelers that wanna travel solo to flag these things. But I think you need a certain bar or a certain amount of effort behind the scenes to make sure the way they're being flagged or the process behind it is fair and accurate. Do either you, Cynthia, or Jessica even look at TripAdvisor when you're starting to plan your trips? Um, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I use TripAdvisor to sort of, basically what I do is like I sort the best hotels in X place, and I use TripAdvisor for that, but um, no. I think the reality is, though, a lot of people do. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I also don't, um, right. but I understand that it is a very useful tool, and a lot of people use it, so they do have a... A sense of responsibility and we sort of have to include them in the trip planning universe because most people yeah they, absolutely it's used. I think just on it I think I, I agree with Aaron like it could be a useful tool but I always talk about and I steal this from Chimamanda um, the danger of a single story especially mm -hmm. for female travelers who are afraid to go out and travel alone. If they see this one incident, they may say, oh, there's no way I can stay at that hotel. But what that one review won't say is that, okay, out of 50,000 people who stayed at this hotel, there was an unfortunate incident where one woman was sexually assaulted. But there may have been like 27,000 other women who stayed there and were fine. And fair to say that that isolated incident was addressed and dealt with and that in person is no longer yeah. there and yeah i think when we were talking about it earlier lala you brought up a good point that you would rather have the hotel staff and like have a sign that they've been trained mm -hmm. in addressing those issues and the staff has been kind of like made knowledgeable about how to treat their guests totally i mean flat this is the moment we're having in our culture right now right it's like in all different industries figuring out different ways to, I don't know, teach men to be decent human beings. Yes, that's what we have to do. <laughs> that's all we have to do and all of this will go away. Hopefully. And, you know, again, that responsibility lies on the hotel rather than TripAdvisor. It's very well intended, I think, and, and it is, again, given in this moment in time, it's TripAdvisor showing that they are doing something and they're being proactive and they're trying to help make some sort of societal change. And when we covered it here at Traveller, our writer, Cassie Shortsleeve, she reached out to a couple of the hotels that had had that stamp put on, on them on TripAdvisor's site. And, you know, in their responses, they had addressed those situations. Uh, they had, you know, in one instance, I think they had cooperated with the police. And so they are also making steps. And I would rather, if something's been reported at a hotel, I'd rather hear from the hotel, hear what they're doing and see an active, productive strategy from them rather than a TripAdvisor stamp that I think will invoke fear. And and can be perceived out of, con taken out of context. Yeah. To a certain degree as well. And again, it's sort of flagging certain spaces as spaces that women can't enter or should be afraid of entering, which I 
feel is the opposite of what travel is about. I think that that's exactly right, that it promotes like stay home, which doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be safe, no. so you might as well get out there. Right, exactly. Speaking of getting out there, one of the questions that was posed in the Facebook group that kind of like tipped us off to wanting to start this season off with solo travel is someone had asked a really great question, which was why would you want to solo travel instead of sharing it with a friend or a family member or a significant other, like what is the appeal, which I had never really thought about. <laughs> as someone who like really loves uh, solo travel, I mean, Cynthia, what, as you sit in the Maldives, what, what would be your response to that person? Um, my whole theory is why should I have to wait for other people in order to go do and see and experience what I feel most passionate about doing and seeing and experiencing? Like there's this meme that you can find online. It's an image where it's like stick figures and there's a whole group of stick figures in you. And the first, the first little cell is captioned, you know, three months before the trip, it's you and all these other people who are like, yeah, let's go on this trip. One month before the trip, that, that group has dwindled and it's like you and four other people. And then actually on the trip, it's just you taking a selfie because everybody else has been like, oh yeah, you know. Maybe I'm not actually going to go, you know, like, why should you be like, oh, cancel all your plans because of that, because of other people. But that said, <laughs> I'm here in the Maldives with my best friend. <laughs> so I'm actually traveling with someone else for once. But my prior trips to the Maldives have been solo. Um, at this point, I've fallen so in love with the country. You know, like I feel so comfortable here that I'm at the point where I do want to share it with someone. But it's taken three years of convincing, you know, and finding airfare deals and sending awesome Instagrams of like this resort that I'm at, which is the Four Seasons, back to my best friend and being like, please, let's do this. Let's make this happen. So what if I had waited all three years? I would never I don't even know if I'd be here right now. Just piggybacking off of your point, Cynthia, I honestly reckon like travel is one platform where it's 100% okay to be selfish in and say I'm selfish when it comes to travel. I right. don't think it's a negative characteristic and that I, I love traveling by myself sort of for similar reasons for what how you started off, uh, how you started off your own explanation, which is that I don't, I don't want to have to negotiate on sort of the finer points of a trip or the finer ways I want to explore a destination. Um, we actually, we run a series of weekly debates online on um, cntravel.com. And recently we did do this as a topic. For me personally, it comes back to um, travel is first and foremost an experience. It's sort of most of the reason what compels you to go and get on that plane and go to a different destination. And I like to do it how I want to do it. And maybe that's maybe that makes me about maybe that makes me, you know, a person that's not able to share effect efficiently. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I, I love traveling with people too, but you have to be really selective, just like with the people you live with. You gotta be selective about who you travel with. Um, Very true. Yeah, I just don't like to have to negotiate on my experience of a destination. And so Jessica, um, I feel like any of our listeners who have listened to Travelogue podcast are sort of familiar with what the rest of us do, but maybe before you dive into um, why you like solo travel, tell us a bit about why you travel, what your work is, which mm -hmm. is very travel related. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been traveling since I was quite young. So I grew up in Detroit um, to Ugandan immigrants. And so since 
the first trip to Uganda, I was six, and we stopped in London for a few days to visit family. And really, we've been traveling since then, doing holidays like either in Canada or in the Caribbean, Mexico. Um, so I grew up with travel around me, um, thanks to my parents. Shout out, parents. Um, and so because of that, when I got older and I was able, I did. So I remember in 2007, I graduated college. I was working full time. Um, the company I worked for had unlimited vacation. <laughs> so um, I took advantage. And I went to London, Paris, and Madrid. And I remember it was the first time I was getting on a transatlantic flight by myself. I was living in Detroit. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do on a plane by myself for seven hours? <laughs> that was such a big deal. I was like, I'm going to get so bored. Oh, so your anxiety started on the plane ride. Yeah, <laughs> I just I was like, but the thing, well, because I was meeting up with friends. I had friends in London. Um, my friend was meeting me in Paris, and I had a friend in Madrid. But I, it was the plane ride. I was like, oh my god, how am I going to survive this on my own? Um, long story short, 101 countries later, um, I think I've probably done around 30 countries solo. And what I will say is, you know, like Aaron and Cynthia, I just I like being on my own schedule. I like doing what I want to do. Um, but I remember distinctly when I realized, oh, I guess I should probably try to travel with people everywhere. Um, but I was in uh, Cambodia and Angkor Wat, and it was so amazing. And it was just me and my tuk-tuk driver. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time I was like, mm, I wish I could share this moment with someone. So I find now uh, I still would do solo travel because some people don't want to go to the random places that I visit. I just did a trip, a four country trip in um, Central America last month, and I was completely by myself. Like I met some people um, and had a friend in Guatemala, but mostly solo. Um, but what I do now, I book my flights. Um, I have a Google Doc that has my entire calendar on it. and people who I like to travel with have that link <laughs> and so they are able to look at the link and hop on my trips and so I booked a two and a half week trip to Bali which was meant to be solo and I ended up hanging out three other friends came down um, I travel in very large groups sometimes uh, for my one friend's birthday there can be 28 of us we did Morocco last year and there were 28 of us oh my God. I, I, I just like <laughs> sat back in my chair <laughs> <laughs> this year we're doing Bali and there's probably going to be more than 28. Oh um, so I, you know, my travel, it ranges from solo to very large group trips. And I really, I like all of it. Every, I like solo and big trips. That and Google Doc system is kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's genius. It's genius. I was just, Thinking about like we now. should all do that on our own. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of this. Also, just gets rid of those terrible like email threads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I had a group trip planned about a month ago that came to an abrupt kind of dissolution. Aaron was my hero, and um, in a week helped me plan a whole new solo <laughs> trip um, to a totally different country. And it was so. It was actually like kind of. It, exactly what I needed because um, I had been so hyped up for this other trip and then it fell apart and then I kind of again had that like on the flight you know I solo travel not infrequently but I was sitting there having been super excited to go with somebody to another country and now I was on this flight to somewhere else by myself where I was going to be for a week and just kind of connecting those dots of being like no it's really going to be okay you're going to have so much fun and I ended up having a blast and one like my favorite day that I was in London I went I woke up late I went 
and got my nails done. I went to a museum and then I sat in my like very luxurious hotel bed and watched Grapes British Bake Off for like four hours and was like, I could not have done this if I had had someone (laughs) else with me. And you don't feel guilty about doing it either. No, I felt so, I was like, this is exactly how I would like to spend my time. And I didn't feel like at any point I felt like bad or like regretful of not having spent my day out of like out of the hotel. Like it really, mm-hmm. it was great. And I, yeah, I feel like I never could have done that when I had had somebody with me. Yeah, there's nothing worse than knowing that time's running out and you have certain things that mm-hmm. you really want to hit on your trip, and everyone you're with wants to sit in a. Not that I'm talking from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in a bar for like six hours straight and you can see the sun starting to set. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can hear everything else closing closed. and yeah. locking. <laughs> oh my you see, that's why I would be, I would probably never do the Google Docs route because most of my trips I design for the purpose of them being solo. Like I just want to go and do my thing and I found over the years traveling solo and sometimes not solo but like 90% solo uh, that I'm less open to felicity when I'm with other Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. like I'm less perceptive but when I'm alone like crazy things happen right like I can fall in with locals and we'll go out for the night or I get taken places that I would never have found Mm -hmm. if I was with somebody or if I had stayed in and I just, I just, yeah, I, I mean, I really have the things that I have to plan ahead for are the trips that I take with other people. But when I'm alone, I can just let it flow. And I love just putting it out there, just giving my schedule over to the universe. <laughs> I agree. I actually find, Cynthia, that I walk away from a destination feeling I got to know it better in a shorter space of time when I travel by myself. I do think that yeah. the way you access, I do think there's some type of, um, what's the right, not not border, but I do think there's some type of buffer between yourself and a destination when you are with other people, even though you, you get certain things out of the destination with the travel companion. Um, I always find I, I know the place better when I'm by myself. I mean, how do you guys feel like you get treated differently when you're alone? I, okay, I'll just start things off and say, I reckon I get treated better. Um, I, you know, this is not the conversation about the, oh, but it's scary and people are prying on me and they see me by myself. Not that. Um, When I'm by myself, uh, people make a point of speaking with me more. Um, You know, even little things. When I go for that meal, I always want to sit at the bar instead of at a table because I'm by myself. When you're sat at a bar, you're inherently more inclined to speak to the bartender, which is something I just got back from Puebla yesterday night. And I was by myself and I sat at a bar by myself and I chatted to the bartender. Where where do you eat? What do you do? We had a great conversation. He referenced me to certain places that I ended up going to. I had not seen in any of the English language literature I had read about the city. And they were the most salt of the earth local places that I never would have found otherwise um you know not just the bartender but the people sitting next to you on the bar stool um and that's just that's just sort of one example of the kind of universe that's opened up or the way in which you interact with the destination and the way the destination interacts with you when you're by yourself I think I think it is uh, a better way to get involved I don't know would you agree disagree I mean I agree oh no I was just I was gonna gonna say you Jessica you've been to so many different countries 
sort of how does that experience vary? I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same in London as it is in Cambodia, for example. Precisely. So that's exactly what I was going to point out. I think it really depends on where you are. Um, I just was in South Asia last month, too. This is getting weird. <laughs> um, I was We're only S- focusing on that <laughs> region. <laughs> I was in South Asia last month. Um, and I was traveling with a friend, a very good friend of mine. We traveled together a lot. We've been to, I think we're at like... 30-something countries together. He's a guy. I felt like in South Asia, they are not a fan of women. And based on how they treated me with him, i.e. not looking me in my eye when I'm speaking and holding the credit card, but looking at him, I know I've met women who've traveled alone in that region. I probably would not. Having been in that region with a man, but seeing also just how I was treated, even with a man, I wouldn't want to travel alone in that region. Whereas, like, I think Central America, South America, Europe all lend themselves to solo travel. And Southeast Asia, I think, is culturally distinctively different from South Asia. So I also think that Southeast Asia, which I've done a significant portion of uh, solo, is also very good for solo travel. But personally, for me as a woman, I wouldn't do South Asia alone. So that, for me, is including... Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India, Nepal, I think is fine. But those three, I based on my personal experience. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Cynthia, what do you think? Yeah, um, Nepal is definitely fine. I did the Everest Base Camp trek there uh, with just myself and my Sherpa. And I'm sorry, had a you, great time. You slip that one in. <laughs> what? You did the Everest Base Camp trek solo. With a Sherpa. I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> with a buddy. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I just, I was in Nepal for two weeks and, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. So I hooked it up real quick. Uh, it was great. I wrote about it. It's on the site. Yeah, but anyway, I, I've been to Sri Lanka about three times solo and I had a great time. I mean, there's just the usual like sideways glances sometimes, the odd comment. I mean, I've actually gotten worse in Italy than I got in Sri Lanka. So it it just, you know, dress respectfully. Um, I would agree with India. I'm not a fan of India, but I've only been to Delhi and I've been told that I have got to go other places than Delhi before I form an opinion on India. Um, Elsewhere in South Asia, I have not been to Bangladesh. The Maldives is South Asia, but it's fantastic here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Southeast Asia is great pretty much all around, except that you will get questioned. So the taxi drivers, the waitresses, the bartenders, they'll say, oh, where's your where's your husband? Or do you have a boyfriend? You know, they'll be very upfront. And so I never say, oh, no, I'm alone. You know, I always have a backup story. And I usually say, yeah, I'm about to meet a friend in a minute or I'm, you know, I know a couple people in the city and we're going to meet up for dinner later. But I never I mean, I never say like I have a boyfriend or a husband because I don't want to outright be like saying I'm dependent on a man. Right. I don't want to reinforce this idea that they have. So but yeah, I never say I'm alone. (laughs) Do you? 
No. 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 Okay. I, I think it's like a read the situation kind of thing. But yeah, generally, like if a totally. taxi driver yeah. is like driving me back to my hotel and is like, oh, are you yeah. by yourself? I'm going to be like, no. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's an element of common yeah. sense in every situation. I'm always like, there's a party back at the apartment. I'm going to a party. There's like at least 15 people there. <laughs> I'm meeting 28 people in Bali right now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, I think that another question I have for you guys is just I have like a solo travel bucket list of places that I exclusively want to go by myself. Like I know that Cynthia, that's like most of your your travel, but do you, Aaron or Jessica have or Lolly actually have like places that you know like for me, I would love to take this is not gonna happen anytime soon, but I would love to take like a month and a half off and just do Australia by myself. I feel like that's doable. But I would like not like yeah. to have anyone else with me because I feel like you can make friends. Like you were saying, if I brought a bunch of people, there would be kind of a there's a, a buffer, s- a buffer. Yeah. Mm. Um, I've never actually thought about this actively, like which places do I want to intentionally go to alone? So I don't know that I have a list, but I tend to kind of an easier way for me to answer that question is what places would I not go to alone? Um, and probably echoing what uh, Jessica said, I've not been to India, and I'm a I'm, I consider myself a fairly intrepid traveler, and I'm 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 good with most things that get thrown my way. I don't think I would approach India by myself, um, Jessica included, but a lot of credible, well-traveled people have never made it seem like a good idea to do that. So I think instead of answering where I'd go by myself, that's somewhere I would not go by myself. Well, not. That's really sad to me because I would say in recent years, I've also had similar conversations with people saying, you know, obviously go to India, it's a fantastic country, but as mm-hmm. a woman traveling alone, uh, perhaps don't. Whereas my mum, when she was like the same age as me, went to India for like a month by herself mm-hmm. and in the 80s and I, th- I think w- it was just a very different time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she loved it i mean i think like any woman traveling anywhere in the world every now and then you have a bit of a dicey moment i mean i mean walking down the street in new york city yeah. <laughs> like i mean you can't avoid those are, dicey moments there are now yeah. streets that i don't yeah. run in new york city because sure. I, something's happened <laughs> um yeah you know i think when i when i've been traveling i've like two incidents that really stick out to me both the times when i wasn't alone but one time was in paris Another time was in Fiji. I mean, it, it's it's so it's so diverse in the type of place where something like mm. that can happen. Um, but so, t- is there a place that you would want to go to by yourself? It's India, which is oh. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but well, maybe me and Lolly can both go. But I oh, now you have a built-in buddy. No, and I I have a friend who spent a month in India. I think like a year and a half ago by herself, and she had an amazing time. When I told her I was going, she sent me a ton of things to do. She did Udaipur, Jaipur. She did Delhi. She did um, an area near the Himalayas, and she was completely alone. And she fell in love with India. So I don't think it's impossible. Um, you know, keep your eyes yeah, open. And I, and I certainly don't want to make it sound as though this is, you're hearing it from our mouths, do not do India alone. I, I'm not saying that. I, there's a good chance I'll go alone. It's fine. But I think that's one place I'm more aware of. I'd be mm-hmm. a little bit more self-aware there, I think, than mm-hmm. elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. I think that something that Lolly and I had talked about before this was kind of like how you get into solo travel and this kind of goes along what you were just saying so like when you are deciding first off to like 
you're going to go on your first solo trip, like do not plan a month long trip to India as your first solo (laughs) trip, but don't knock it off the list. I feel like we were saying earlier, like the first step is like go to dinner by yourself in your (laughs) own city. Really? Because a lot of people haven't. It's true. true. I have like plenty of friends and so does Ali. Baby steps. It amazes me. The amount of people that are like, you have, you'll sit at a bar by yourself. Oh my God, it's my favorite uh, and thing I'm to like, do. And I'm like, six out of seven nights a week, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you're, you're right. Okay, so maybe it does. You have to start small. Well, and I think you, you phrased it very well earlier, which is that you said it was like easing yourself into a very into cold, a really cold pool. <laughs> so you like dip your toe in with the dinner the and then hot. you go like halfway in and you like go on a weekend trip like from New York to Boston or you like go somewhere that you like generally know or have been before or like feel really comfortable in and you go by yourself and then maybe you go somewhere with a bunch of friends and you take a day and you just spend that whole day alone and see what you can do and I think that like pushing yourself slowly but surely outside of your comfort zone might actually lend to a better experience than just being like, from now on, I'm only going solo. And then I think you might, it (laughs) might be really stressful. And I would also add in for these training wheels, um, if you're going to do a country by yourself solo, probably do an English-speaking country. I was going to say that same thing. Don't go somewhere and you don't speak the language and you're by (laughs) yourself. Yeah, don't start somewhere where you're making it more difficult for yourself. For sure. Because you can always... Exactly. You can do that. I mean, I've been to a ton of countries where I have some basic language skills with most of them, but, you know, go somewhere where they... It's an English-speaking country. Can I just switch gears a little bit? Because this is a point I wanted to make. And we tend to default, I think, to you're thinking solo travel. And we're thinking cities and urban and places where you're around people and how to best navigate these spaces with strangers, right? Um, I was reading that some of the most popular countries to travel into by yourself are New Zealand and Iceland um, because they're safe from a sort of, you know, a crime point of view and the people are friendly and they speak English. Um, These are, you know, English travelers. But the flip side is sometimes it's much safer to travel by yourself in an urban space. Don't go on uh, nature-driven vacations by yourself because really there's like this pragmatic thing of um, if you get yourself injured or into an emergency, you need help. And it's almost better to always do those types of trips not by yourself. Well, Meredith and I were talking about this again earlier. Um, <laughs> talking about women just, who travel you guys, you all talking time. about this all day long. <laughs> um, is that, you know, if you're traveling by yourself, it's not a bad idea to just let someone know your itinerary. Just, oh, I just, reckon you should always let somebody yeah. know, even if it's some your mother in America. Yeah, or yeah, your parents or a friend or a sibling. Um, just, you know, the hotels you're staying at, the places you're going to be a rough schedule just make make sure somebody knows when you don't come back to where you're supposed to be type thing right and this is regardless of gender you know if you're traveling alone again you know on some sort of nature trip and you fall and hurt yourself that's not due to your gender (laughs) 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 so um yeah i mean i always i i guess i always let my my parents know or my partner my parents, even when they travel, tell me and my brother, like, okay, and my mom is, like, super intense about, like, all of her schedules, how I have, like, broken down times. And so she'll send us, like, the doc that's, like, okay, at these times, we will be in these places. And if you need to reach us, this is how to do it. And now I think that's kind of, like, passed on to me. I text my mom every time I'm getting on a flight just to be, like, I'm here. I made it on the Somebody plane. where you are. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Which... 
yeah, I think gives like a little bit of, you know, I find myself on trips, on social media, not necessarily like interacting with other people or like sitting scrolling on Instagram, but I like share my experience a lot more when I'm on my own. Um, Not that I really care at all that anyone watches it, but just to like feel like I'm having even a conversation with myself and just like texting people to say like, I'm going to this place. I'm going to be here. I feel like it feels like that same sense of like security, like someone knows where I am. It's public knowledge. And they have that geotag. <laughs> exactly. So someone can find can me Find later. me at the bottom of the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one, one tip for solo travelers, and maybe it's morbid, but always have some form of ID on you. I don't suggest that it's your passport, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a driver's license or something so that if something does happen, they can identify you or... <laughs> Seriously, I think yeah. about that often, mm-hmm. um, but it's important. I mean, we have to think about these things. So it's really important to always have some sort of identification yeah. with you. And I think especially if you're in a country where you don't speak the language, being mm-hmm. able to say, this is who I am exactly. Let me just show you this piece mm-hmm. of paper or this little card, mm-hmm. I think definitely helps um, in case you're in a kind of dicey situation. And again, sure. that's, I mean, I don't just that's, that's just morbid. a tip. I know, oh, I think general. it's being a, sm- a yeah. smart traveler. Yeah. And I think solo travel comes with so much just common sense. Um, if it feels wrong or feels weird, it probably is. And if it feels great, then just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Always go with your gut. Um, and actually, sort of to that point, there was um, another question in the group that um, someone had, had put out there, uh, which was that they were saying that everyone is telling them that if they don't have anyone to go to a place with, they should go alone. Solo travel is totally the way to go. And, you know, they were saying they were worried that they would be shy or get lost or confused, um, that they wouldn't have anyone to share the experience with. Um, and if they take a, take a tour, will they get, you know, as the only single person, would they get stuck with strangers? And I'm not sure what tours do this, but would they share a room with a couple? Um, <laughs> Stay away from those tours. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not a good Not tour. the ones we're going to recommend. And I think, I mean, for me, traveling alone, the wonderful thing about it is you have complete control over your trip. Mm-hmm. So none of those things have to be an issue because you get to decide what your trip is like. And mm-hmm. it could be a weekend in Boston or it could be a month in India. Sort of I'm interested to know, Erin, Jessica and Cynthia, sort of what would you tell Uh, this person you know what would your advice to her be um so I okay there's two things so one thing is there's a lot of companies who do group trips my company being one of them global jet black and um the reason we do group trips is because there are a lot of people who want to travel but their friends flake out at the last minute and so that's why I started doing these group trips for people um because it's I always say, like, when you travel with us, it's like you're traveling with a group of friends. Um, the groups are never more than 10 people, and most people who come are solo travelers, but within the first five hours, now you have nine new friends. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I suggest is find a nice hostel, maybe book a private room if you don't want to sleep on a bunk bed, because that way it's like a very, very easy way to meet people. Um, Because I always say when you travel solo, you're just going there alone. But it's super easy to meet people. When you go on tours, then it's very easy to talk to the person sitting next to you. You don't have to sleep in a room with them. Um, (laughs) And so I think we have to remove the idea that you're necessarily there alone. You're just traveling to that location alone, and then you're going to meet new friends. Yeah, for me, I experience those same emotions on a daily basis in New York City. 
like I get shy. I get afraid of getting lost, right? I, I get anxious about being at a bar by myself or dining by myself or going to the theater by myself, anything by myself. I experience that no matter where I am. So why, why not <laughs> have those exact same experiences, but just challenge myself a little bit more in a different environment? And one way I get over, yeah, I'm definitely in spite of the 92 countries that I've visited and all this other stuff, I'm still a fearful traveler and I used to be afraid of flying. But once I conquer even the smallest little obstacle, if I get over, you know, every time I get on a flight, every time I go into a bar that I've had on my list forever, but it looks a little bit. Like I feel, oh, maybe it's too nice for one person, but then I make myself go in and I have an excellent evening. I get such a jolt of energy and affirmation and I just feel like Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> and it keeps me it keeps me going. Like how can I never have those feelings again? You know, I, I like need need that. It's um yeah. One really quick thing that I'll add to that um, from my experiences to conquer that fear of, you know, being shy or all of a sudden feeling so dreadfully alone. Uh, don't underestimate the friendliness of the people of the city, of the locals. So, I, I mean, right. whether I've been traveling through Italy, Uganda, um, Zimbabwe, Mexico, wherever I've been, the level of hospitality and genuine warmth that just anybody that you're sort of passing on the street, I mean, you can be selective about the character, that's your call, um, has generally been responsive and receptive and been a really nice interaction. So don't underestimate how comfortable just trying to interact with the locals can help make you feel, no matter where you are. And I will say nine times out of 10, you were saying earlier to make friends with the bartender. I think sometimes that is like the easiest the key. way. Yep. It is like the first step into like becoming friends with the whole bar. Like once you become friends with the bartender, you're like, yes, I can do this. I'm gonna talk to all the people next to me. And I think it really like, even if you don't wanna talk to them, you have someone to talk to. I, I think again, it's like kind of like when you're starting out and you're first doing that, like bring a book, feel comfortable there and then start talking to the bartender and then like make friends with the other people there. Because I've been places where I've ended up talking to the bartender, meeting the people next to me, spending all night out with them mm -hmm. and having like friends that I now mm -hmm. visit because I like had the sudden weird confidence to be like, I'm yeah. gonna just do this. And never forget that you hold all of the control for how deep you wanna make that interaction go. If you don't wanna carry on all night with these people or you wanna, you, you can stop. But you know, if you want a little interaction, the locals, you're, you'll get it from the locals. So don't be afraid to sort of reach out. And I, so people always ask me, after 101 countries, what have you learned about people? <laughs> um, and I always say that people are mostly good. Like totally. the vast majority of human beings on this planet are good. And I think unfortunately in the US we're made to be afraid of the stranger. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the stranger is a friend that you've never met. Every like unless it's someone that was born into your family, we were all strangers at one point in time and we feel comfortable, we feel safe with our friends. And at one point we didn't know them. So I think if when you travel solo you just go with positive energy and being super open, you're gonna have a great experience. Um, so like I remember people were telling me how dangerous Johannesburg was and so I was like oh, okay I can survive anywhere um, but there's just a really high crime rate I just came back from there 
partied a little too hard, dropped <laughs> all of my credit cards and ID in the back of an Uber, <laughs> all of like everything. I woke up in the morning like, I have nothing. Awesome. This is day one in South Africa. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of freaking out. And the next morning I get a call from the lobby and um, my Uber driver had every single thing, even like business cards that had fallen out. He had everything That's with amazing. him. You know, and so the thing is, people told me, oh, Johannesburg is so crime ridden. But here, he had all of my credit card. He could have had the world sure. <laughs> <laughs> at one swipe. Um, and so I think the one thing to remember as you're like anticipating solo travel is you have to remember that people around the world and in this country are all mostly good. And that is, I think, the resounding thing that I think we have to keep in mind when traveling. Um, I have a question for Cynthia um, and also for you, Jessica, just because we get so many questions in the group that ask, how do I get to travel all the time? Like, how do I get to a point (laughs) where I get to be that person that's like, I've been to 101 countries or I've been to 92 countries? So just really quickly, and it doesn't have to be about solo travel, but like how, if you were to tell someone like, this is the way to do this, what would you say? Because I feel like both of you travel a lot for work and that's a lot different than traveling for kicks. Uh, One thing I would say is it's never too late to start. I didn't take a flight until I was 14 or 15. And like my family didn't really travel that much. But once I got into college, I did study abroad And I started taking trips on the weekend every single weekend. Like, I was not spending a lot of money, I'll tell you that. Uh, But I was just taking the train. I would literally go to Roma Termini Station on Thursday night, get on whatever train I felt like, and then come back Monday morning for classes in Rome. So I would have, you know, I had, like, samplings of every country in Europe, and it just built up my confidence. But now that I have a career and... I've made traveling my career. I've also made it my lifestyle. So I have made certain sacrifices to get to this point. Like I don't have a solid address. (laughs) You can't find me really in one place. You know, like I'm not paying rent. I'm not paying a mortgage. Uh, I don't have car payments. That's just choices that I've made along the way to afford this life of near constant travel. I'm on the road about three weeks out of every month. Yes, I get this question all of the time. How do you afford to travel? Um, and the same as Cynthia, I I recently purchased a home in Detroit, which I had to do for my sanity. But um, I don't... Wait, shout out to Detroit. I'm also from the area. Oh my gosh. And I lived in Rome, which is crazy. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... You know, the people who are asking me this have a car. So they're paying a car note, they're paying insurance, they're paying for fuel. Um, They probably have a space that they're living in, which is way more space than they need, which has, you know, is in a really great part of town. And so I think the thing is people don't realize how much money they are spending unnecessarily or based on their lifestyle. So they want that car. They want to live, you know, in Brooklyn Heights or wherever it is that they're living. Um, For a long time, I didn't have an address very similar to Cynthia. Um, The other thing, a lot of people assume that my trips are paid for. I just came back from a press trip, which is my first fully paid for press trip. But I spend my money on my flights now. I save all of my miles on every single airline alliance. I use um, credit cards 
only because they reward me with like all of the points. So I never use my debit card. I use my credit card to pay them off at the end of the month to make sure that I'm getting those extra points um, so that I can use my points to buy air like plane tickets. Um, I do email hotels to ask them for free stays. That is one way that I do try to use uh, my platform. Um, and then luckily, because I went to grad school in London and I studied international development, I have friends in a lot of places. So I'm able to like stay with friends or stay with friends of friends. So that definitely helps. But the thing is, to Cynthia's point, you have to sacrifice and it has to be your lifestyle. And also, lastly, I think because I'm like on social media, I always am publishing my pictures and everything. So people on Instagram are like, oh my God, I'm living vicariously through you. I want your life. It's exhausting. <laughs> I've been on a hundred and I think 15 flights this year or something around that, um, which is apparently 2.6 weeks on a plane because they're pretty long haul flights usually. Um, (laughs) it's exhausting. Like I'm back for, I'm back in the States for five days and then I'm flying back to Johannesburg, which is a really, really far place. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, all that glitters is not gold. I do it because I love it. Um, I do it because I feel comfortable this way. I almost feel like if I stop, I might die. Um, (laughs) and not everybody is built for this. I have another friend who travels a lot with me. Um, he's been to about half the number of countries I have, but he's, like I'm not going with you everywhere like it's too much so um you know so I think there there's the good side and there's the bad side and if people are interested I wrote an article a few months back called my life looks like a vacation but it's not or something to that effect just to kind of show both sides of the coin and where can people find that article um that article you can find on my website on the like press page so the catch me if you can.com well, I think that that's probably where we want to end it. Does anyone else have some pressing thing they want to get off their chest before we wrap up? Uh, I just want to say, like, I totally agree. My life looks like a dream, but there's a lot of hard work behind it, a lot of sacrifice. And I'm not here for jealousy, right? So if um, I have people who, like, slide up in my Instagram comments, and they'll be like, wow, I wish my life could be like yours. I wish I could afford to go to wherever you are. But then I look at their profile and they're Instagramming their new Lexus. So choices. <laughs> I feel like that was a very underlined exclamation pointed choices. Um, awesome. Well, if you want your question answered on our podcast, we'd love to have your voice. So if you have any burning questions or want any tips on a destination, just open up your phone, record a voice memo, tell us your name and uh, what you want to know. And starting next week, you can send it over to women who travel at cntraveler.com and you might find yourself and your voice on our podcast. Does everyone want to go around and say where people can find them on the internet? So you can follow their travels. I find out where Cynthia is based on our Instagram stories. Um, <laughs> but I'm at oh hey there mayor, Lale. I'm at Lale Hannah on Instagram. I'm at Aaron underscore Florio on Instagram. And I'm at the Catch Me If You Can on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JetSetCD. And if you have a place that you're dying to go alone. Please tweet it at us because we'd love to hear what you have to say. And if this has inspired you to go somewhere for the first time by yourself, let us know. Awesome. Have a great week. Tune in next week for the second episode of Women Who Travel. You can also catch me and Meredith from time to time on our other podcast, Travel Log, which comes out every Friday.
You can find us on iTunes at Connie Ness Traveler and Facebook as well, and then at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of Women Who Travel. And if you have podcast ideas that you would want to hear uh, in the coming weeks, just tweet at me and Lale. We'd love to hear them. Do you sometimes wake up with the desire to understand the seen and the unseen forces guiding you through this life? And are you ready to begin uncovering the impacts of these forces in your day to day? Do you feel that you could use a little push, a little umph, or maybe even a little juju to be reminded of your power within your ancestors to truly understand you? Well, child, so it sounds like you need a little juju podcast in your life. Hey, bays! I'm your host, Juju Bay. Welcome, Aquaba, bienvenidos to the Womanist Witchy Insight Show, diving deep into the Black healing journey, pop culture juju, and the ancestral spiritual systems that can help get us free. So please come on over and join the ALJ Pod family. New episodes drop every single Wednesday, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.